0: Welcome to Sobriety Unleashed, the podcast that helps you master sobriety and change your life. I'm Simon.
1: And I'm Ellen. And today we are talking about setting yourself up for sobriety success.
0: And we're gonna be giving you some actionable steps that you can take, practical tips that you can bring into your own life to help you learn how to quit drinking and thrive without alcohol in your life. So, Ellen, what what were the things that really helped you on your own journey, the actual practical tips and steps that you took?
1: There's so many steps that can help when you're looking at your sobriety journey. And I always say this to people, At school and at college, I could never understand why they gave us action plans to do at the beginning of an essay. Um, I also thought it was such a waste of time. But actually, when you're looking at your sobriety journey, and not just in sobriety, in life in general, if you've got a goal that you want to work towards, it's really, really helpful to break it down into smaller steps, things that are much more achievable. So, some of the top tips that I've got my first top tip first thing when you're starting out, take a selfie. Uh, It makes people feel really uncomfortable, but I ask everyone to do this and I did it. I know that you've done it as well. Take a close up of your face and then a full body photo. It's so good to look back on at the end of your journey. If you're doing 30 days experiment without alcohol, it's something tangible that you can look at and see the effects that um, being alcohol free have on you. In, in your face straight away, you can see that the, the bags go, your skin looks brighter, your skin looks plumper, and generally most people start to lose weight. Or actually, if people are underweight, their, um, their nutrition and their diet balances out and they start to gain weight and regulate their, their weight a lot more. So it's really nice to have something to look back on.
0: And I think it's important to take a selfie and we will share ours, won't we, as well? Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Because also those changes, whilst they are quite profound, and I remember noticing the darkness under my eyes going away after about three weeks of not drinking, but they're gradual changes as well, although they do happen quite quickly. I think having that Data that information where you can make that direct comparison. It really allows you to see some of those early gains from not drinking. And I I remember thinking to myself, if all this is changing on the outside that quickly, what on earth is happening on the inside?
1: yeah absolutely and also success breeds motivation you can't stay motivated all the time motivation is just a fleeting emotion it comes and it goes but having something you look back on and go go look at the change within myself and it is it's physical changes but also there's so many changes within that happen um it, it really does breed motivation to carry on going on your journey
0: absolutely and i think another kind of way of gathering data and i think it is all about gathering data that we can Use to notice how far we've come, what improvements we've made, and also how we've kind of set boundaries and navigated through setbacks is to use a journal or some other way of collecting information about what's happening and what's coming up in our experience. Did did you journal when you quit?
1: Do you know what? I didn't, but I do now in hindsight because it took me a while to realize that this actually was going to stick. My sobriety kind of snuck up on me a little bit, and it took me a while to start to unpack why I'd got to this kind of situation what had led me to this and now I still don't journal I still don't write down I feel like I don't have time and I'm one of these people that I like to be busy but what I do do is I either talk into my phone or I take notes on my phone so I journal that's my way of journaling but it's something that I find so powerful such a powerful tool tool in early sobriety but also later on in sobriety when you can look back at way that you're feeling the effects that having that distance from alcohol um, had, and also your reason why, keeping that always at the forefront of your mind, what you want to achieve from sobriety.
0: Did you journal? Yeah, I did actually. I was uh, quite passionate about journaling and I was writing out pages and pages. But I know for some people that can be a challenge. I don't journal these days. I just use a mood tracker on my phone, just an app that allows me to Check in multiple times a day to sort of measure how my mood is looking, and I can put notes or photos alongside that. But I did find it quite cathartic and helpful at the beginning. And I think the journal serves two purposes one is to get those thoughts and feelings out of our head and onto the paper, which can really take away a lot of their power and often make them seem a lot more rational. And secondly, as we mentioned, it allows you to see how far you've come when you look back at it. But I think it is important to ensure that your journaling plan fits with your life. If you've got a really busy life, then maybe just making a few bullet points or some notes on your phone or speaking into your voice notes like you did, Ellen, is a, is a good way of doing it. If you have haven't got time or you really don't fancy writing out loads and loads then you don't have to do that but I do think it, we need to find a way of gathering the data.
1: Yeah the other thing I like to recommend to people and I do do it as well is um, in your journal setting aside each day at the end of the day thinking about things that you're grateful for things that have gone well in your day and it can be tiny tiny things but they're little wins that you get from sobriety that you don't necessarily think of being an effect of sobriety but actually you know I like one one of mine is listening to the kids laugh if I can hear that real innocent belly laugh with one of the kids it's one of the things I'm so grateful for and being present in uh, because I'm not drinking and being present around that but yeah, noting down three gratitudes from the day and also setting intentions. So my journaling kind of tends to be lists, but little tangible steps that I can take the next day that I'm going to achieve these things. Because setting yourself up for success and little micro wins, it changes the uh, how you're feeling about, about yourself.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it, so much of this starts with toxic shame. And we'll talk about that on a future episode all those things you can do to build yourself up and realize that actually your life's quite good you've got lots of good things going on i love that term micro wins i think that's brilliant but gratitude is a really interesting one and i often recommend to people to go a step further than what you just mentioned so when they write out their gratitude tear the piece of paper up fold it up and put it in a jar and build the jar up over time and you can use it as a lucky dip if you're feeling a bit flat you dip your hand into that jar and you pull out a reason why your life is good and i think that could be a good tactic and also savoring now i read about something called savoring by mel robbins who's written loads of good stuff including including a book called the five second rule which is brilliant but we'll talk yeah. about that another time and she talks about savoring in the context of gratitude practice and that's where you add a bit more to it so you said yeah my my kids made me laugh or made sorry watching my kids laugh you yeah, know brought some gratitude into your day and savoring is where you actually then write out why why that was good why it made you happy what feeling it brought up so you kind of add another layer of depth to it and it helps with the way that we remember it and it helps kind of evoke greater feelings so I think that's another good thing to do no matter what you're grateful for actually go into the why you're grateful as well
1: yeah I love that
0: I think another thing that really helped me on my own journey was connecting with a community of people who were on the same journey and i know we've mentioned this before but it is so important to surround yourself with other people who just get what you're doing they understand it and i found that in facebook groups and connecting with people on instagram i'm sure you did the same thing right
1: yeah, absolutely. Facebook and Instagram completely. It changed my opinion on social media actually, because social media I can find it can be quite toxic for me. I don't like it. I um, I get quite anxious about people living this fabulous life, but the sober community on Instagram and Facebook are completely different. They're some of the kindest people that I've ever, ever met and I've made some brilliant relationships with people all around the world in the sober community. And it really, if you're feeling yourself struggling with your sobriety, having someone that you can reach out to. Who has been there and has done it if you're on day 19 or day one for the 19th time having somebody else that can say i've been there i've done it it's fine you work through it It, it's such a powerful tool
0: it really is and i think Taking that one step further as well was within those communities, I found people that I wanted to be like. There were people posting that they'd been 100 days sober or a year sober, and I loved everything they were saying. And I kind of set my target to be just like them and kind of hung on to their coattails as they went forward on their journey and learned everything I could. Tony Robbins, the life coach, he talks about how when we want to achieve something, we should align ourselves with the, be- the person who we know who is the best at doing that thing. And I think it's the same in sobriety. If we can find somebody who's absolutely smashing their sobriety, then we can learn from them and we can grow with them.
1: Yeah, that's why Melissa Urban was so important to me, and why I loved chatting to her because she was somebody that I looked at, and when I saw that she wasn't drinking, and this whole thing with fitness and nutrition for me, addiction, food is in there in my kind of addictions, and I could see her, and it, it she'd come from this place. A bit starts with food, and it does. It starts with food, but for me, it ends with sobriety. Um, but I just. Could see her being disciplined day in day out not doing anything extraordinary she's just here a normal woman who is going and doing the same routines day in day out and i was like i want to be like her and i realized actually it's really simple but having somebody that i could say yeah that's what i want to be like but following someone like that i find really inspiring
0: yeah and it- I think it is important to have your inspiration, whether that's somebody whose book you've read or someone just in a group that you've connected with. It doesn't matter who they are, but somebody who you just want to be like. And you mentioned routine as well. I found that a bit of a challenge initially because what I was doing was sticking to the same routines. I just removed alcohol out of my life, but I had to learn to create new routines rather than sticking to the old ones. And I think actually consciously creating a sober routine is a really sensible thing to do
1: yeah for me the the pandemic actually really hit home with that i realized okay i've got nothing else to do i can't leave the house what do i do what am i going to make my daily routine and for me and i recommend this for everybody is start really simple get up at the same time every day um and the getting exercise in there as part of my daily routine it doesn't have to be anything big does it it can be right I'm going to commit to a 10 minute walk but having a different routine and who do you want to be really focus on that kind of that person and I realized during the pandemic I had this opportunity to uh, to be the person I wanted to be I had no excuses to be not to be that person either
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I look at my routine now compared to what it was four or five years ago when I was drinking, and it is completely different. I'm up at the crack of dawn. I go for a long walk every morning because I know that that sets me up for the day. And then I have a healthy breakfast. I used to skip breakfast all the time. And the same with lunch. I take exercise most days. It has completely transformed. And of course, I'm not drinking two or three bottles of wine each day either
1: no and that you say about um eating that's really important people fit that into their new routine you have more time when you're um, when you're not drinking alcohol you have more headspace as well so it's a really nice thing to actually sit down and work out your your menu for the week and get more into cooking and start enjoying cooking and start enjoying the fact that you're nourishing yourself and you're taking care of your body it's a whole different way of looking at things and also that time with your family or with your partner that you can sit down and eat and it's not it's a real authentic thing and it's quite an intimate thing as well um eating with friends eating with family and with your partner
0: i was um every single day going to the supermarket most days i would buy ready meals i would rarely cook home cooked food and i was spending 40 50 60 pounds almost every day because i'd buy other things while i was there and since well over the last year or so i've planned the menu like you just said I plan several days in advance I get the shopping delivered not only has it saved me a fortune the food is way healthier and we're having far more family dinners together so you're absolutely right
1: yeah it's win-win and the other thing that I find when I speak to people is that so many people say I drink and therefore I don't eat in the evening. If only I changed my routine and I ate first, I wouldn't be interested in drinking. So it's something really, really important. Make sure that you're nourished properly. Make sure it's not the carbs that you're craving because alcohol is full of carbohydrates and sugars. So it might just be that if you change your routine up, maybe your cravings will go away.
0: Yeah, I've heard lots of people say the same thing to me. They will say, well, I don't drink after i've eaten so i tell them to have their dinner earlier and have a snack in the evening it really can be that simple yeah which is crazy it's just a quick simple fix and a switch in the routine
1: yeah lots of people though um and i was one of them would have a bottle of wine while they would not bottle a glass of wine while they were cooking so again changing that routine and i was talking to somebody the other day maybe you batch cook for the week maybe you eat at lunchtime when you're more you're less likely to drink but just change that routine up
0: Yeah, or get someone else to do the cooking. And if you have to go for a period where you're eating half decent ready meals, it's not the end of the world for a short period of time.
1: No, lots of people do find that they're craving that sweet stuff. So just be kind to yourself in the first, uh, especially the first 10 days or so. It's quite difficult.
0: Completely. I think it's important to also bring in honesty and authenticity when you're kind of getting set for sobriety, because you're going to want to be accountable to people. We were talking about family, family meals, which is what kind of brought this up for me. And I think actually involving your family and becoming accountable to your partner, your kids or those who are close to you is super important. But a lot of people find it really hard to open up.
1: They do. um, I've talked to people about this. Almost feels like you're coming out as sober to people and it can feel very difficult to start off with because there's some level of judgment, I think, with people. Um, Once you label yourself as a non-drinker, then you feel like you're open to being judged. But actually having people there to be accountable to just people you trust to start off with, that circle will get bigger and bigger once you feel more comfortable in your sobriety. But, yeah, certainly the kids are a great one to keep you
0: accountable. Yeah, absolutely. And I told my son fairly early on in the journey and actually it's had a massive impact on the way that he perceives alcohol. I'm not saying he won't ever drink and he has occasionally had a drink at a family barbecue or something like that through his own choice. But I think he's got a much better understanding and he's more set up for making sensible choices. How, how about your kids? It is
1: going to be such an interesting thing to see what they do with alcohol because I grew up watching my mum and dad drinking nearly every night my dad especially um, and I just didn't know that there was a choice to be sober because my drinking wasn't bad enough according to society's standards I didn't know that sobriety was a choice for me so I'm really excited that my kids know that sobriety is a choice um, or even just less drinking Uh, I speak to my eldest who's 13 and she's kind of like oh it looks fun though Um, my two little ones especially my middle one says I don't know why anyone would want to do that. Why would they want to change how they feel? Why would they want to poison themselves? Um, So I don't know. I think they will play with it to a certain extent, but at least they know that sobriety is a choice.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting as well. I think a lot of youngsters, don't really perceive someone who's sober as an alcoholic. They don't have the stigma attachment. There's so many young people just don't drink now that most of them are quite just not fussed about it when they hear that somebody doesn't drink. It isn't a thing.
1: Yeah, and the nice thing, is is actually I still have my alcohol free drinks that are like my grown-up drinks so the kids say to me can I have that and I go no which is quite funny because actually there's no alcohol there's no reason why they couldn't have it it's just that kind of there's something in that in me that's no this is a grown-up drink so maybe that is what they'll be interested in oh now I'm a grown-up I can have these non-alcoholic drinks that mum drinks in a tall glass with tonic it's still something that is mysterious to them but hopefully it's not alcohol that they're turning to
0: Yeah, it's just a grown up drink. Yeah, I love that. That's brilliant. Yeah, I think it's so important to involve your friends, your family, and it can take a bit of courage to go put that one foot in front of the other and actually open up about what you're doing. But you don't need to say, I've quit drinking. It's a lifetime. I'm doing this forever. I mean, I know you, Alan, definitely did. You started off by saying, I'm taking a break from alcohol and you extended that for quite a while, didn't you? I did it
1: was another 30 day stint that I was doing alcohol free and I still kind of say to people I'm not drinking right now I can't see that there would be any point that I would start drinking because life is so much better sober than it was when I was drinking alcohol so I can't see that that will ever change however forever for me it seemed such an overwhelming time and there were things that I thought about like could I do a holiday without alcohol could I do a birthday without alcohol and that seemed overwhelming to me and actually all I need to concentrate on is today I don't want alcohol and then tomorrow I'll see and once you get that space from alcohol though you start to see the effects of not drinking and you know that that it's brilliant so why would you go back to it but yeah forever seems a real overwhelming time Uh, what about you Simon?
0: Yeah, I was quite committed to just never drinking again. I've always been really all or nothing, um, which served me in this instance, but I don't think it serves me in other areas of my life. So I kind of made that vow that I'm never drinking. I put it on social media and that was that. It was out there and I moved forward from that place. But in hindsight, I think I would have preferred to have done a 30-day experiment, which is what I encourage people who I work with to do and then to look at the data at the end and then to extend it accordingly rather than just go flying in and all guns blazing. This is it, I'm sober forever. Because that I could have crashed and burned and it could have worked yeah. out badly. Thankfully it didn't.
1: Yeah, I do find that it's very much people, well, we're all or nothing. I think that's why you kind of get into this situation of, right, it's gonna be nothing. But there's either on the wagon or off the wagon type thing. If you're looking at, right, it's forever, and you feel maybe if you have a period where you start drinking again it's okay but if you're that all or nothing right it's forever and you feel like right i've had a drink and now i've failed and i can't do this and it's too difficult and there's no point i'm not going to try And it it seems more difficult to get back onto that wagon but actually if you're saying right okay i'm not drinking i'm going to try and build up more alcohol free days and and less alcohol days then you don't feel like, okay, I had alcohol today. I haven't failed. I'm just going to see what's happened. I'm going to take it as a data point. I'm going to note down how I feel, the effects that it had. And I'll go on from there.
0: Yeah, completely. And I actually think during that early stage, it's more important to just show up and do some work on yourself every day, whether that's listening to a podcast, reading a chapter of a book. Going into a program or connecting in a Facebook group, actually just showing up because I think every, every bit of work we do on ourselves, we, we grow. Maybe it's just 1% more, we learn a little bit more and we've just got to keep adding to that and showing up daily. But when we stop doing it, one day of not doing any work can suddenly turn into a week and before we know it, we're right back where we started.
1: Yeah, you've got to commit. You've got to be slightly disciplined about these things. And I did say I was talking to a group the other day and I said, ultimately, I just grew tired of my bullshit. I grew tired of going, I'm not getting the results from the work that I'm not putting in. I committed full heartedly after that and then got the results that I wanted. And it was like a ha moment for me, a light bulb moment of actually I can achieve things if I go in 100 percent. Um, But until that point, I kind of wasn't fully committed. But yeah, commit to show up every day for yourself. As you say, just something small. It doesn't have to be. Those 1% changes you talked about, they make a massive change over time.
0: Yeah, they all add up. And I think what also ties in with a lot of what we've been talking about is becoming mindful about not only your drinking and your thoughts about alcohol, and your relationship with it, but also about how authentically and honestly you're showing up in the world, because we can be in denial of the problem for a very, very long time. And I think to take this step forward, we have to accept that something needs to change and that re- needs us to be honest with ourselves. But I also think starting to be honest with those around us about what we're doing and what's coming up for us and where we need help is such a big positive step forward. Showing up in the world with real authenticity and honesty
1: yeah I think um, a lot of it you feel a lot of shame about stuff shame that oh I can't control my drinking or shame why can't I be a normal drinker but that shame dies as soon as you start talking about it with other people that goes back to like finding your sober community as well when you share your story in a safe place that shame goes And it really does. The more you can talk about it, talk about why you want to give up that shame dies. And once that shame dies, you can start becoming really mindful. But mindfulness for me really is the root of it. I wish that mindfulness, they kind of rebranded meditation, I feel like. But for me, it's more of an awareness An awareness of everything that you're doing has an effect. And what is that effect? But that awareness and that mindfulness is key to everything It's key for me, for nutrition, for fitness, for sobriety and for life in general.
0: Yeah, completely. It's like our map and compass that guides us around how we're feeling and what's coming up and how present we are. And it's interesting what you said about that feeling of shame, because I think shame cannot survive in the light, which is exactly what you were saying. You bring it out into the light, bring it into the open. It cannot live any longer. But it's actually taking finding that courage to be able to do that.
1: It is, and I think this is a genera- generational thing as well. Um, even with the mental health problems, people use alcohol to self-medicate with mental health problems. And we're still, the stigma is still there around mental health, but you start talking to people and you open up to people about anxiety, about stress, about depression, and you realise actually everybody around you is suffering from something or knows somebody or is affected by a family member that, that deals with it. Um. And that shame goes and we need to talk about it more we need the kids to know that this is normal and people suffer from this thing but alcohol isn't the way that we medicate with it Uh, we deal with it we talk to people we share our problems and then hopefully we can find a better way through
0: absolutely and i think part of that experiment over those first 30 days should be experimenting with yourself around putting yourself slightly not massively but slightly outside your comfort zone opening up to people connecting with people you've maybe never connected with before joining new communities and really noticing all the good stuff that it starts bringing back into your life
1: yeah and being out of my comfort zone is what i realized i get a real buzz from i get a much better buzz from that than i ever did from alcohol Uh, but it is it's slightly uncomfortable to start but that's where growth happens
0: yeah, exactly. And we learn to make the uncomfortable become comfortable. And then we push ourselves a bit further the next time.
1: We do. It's that feeling of being the new person at school or the new person at work. After a few weeks, it, it feels completely normal. You, you feel at home, but it's just uncomfortable to start.
0: Exactly. And there's so much support around. I mean, you can reach out to Ellen or I at any time. You can join our communities and there's a wealth of people online, particularly who are there to support anybody who's new to sobriety or wondering what direction to head in.
1: Yep, you can message me anytime. Find me on uh, Instagram and you can find Simon as well
0: yeah absolutely and if people have got any questions that they want answered on the podcast or any topics they want covered just send us a message and we would love to hear from you so until next time we'll see you again very soon